Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best of the best to help your scale your business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today's guest is uh, Amir Kaplan, the CEO at iFeel. Amir, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to, to be here and discuss these interesting topics. The, what you do and, and your company is, is very special to me because I'm, I'm an advocate of the emotional well-being and also the mental health spaces. I've talked about this several times, uh, what is my position about how important it is to leaders and, and CEOs. Um, but better than uh, listening this from, from me, uh, we would love to know more about your story and uh, how did you win um, founding uh, iFeel? So I actually started uh, my career in finance, accounting and finance. So the opposite of almost what I'm doing now. I worked at KPMG in consulting, audit, and worked with big companies. And actually, I came to Madrid to do the MBA from Tel Aviv, and where I met my co-founders, Martin and Gabriele, uh, which we are super close until today. And uh, during the MBA, we started thinking and working on uh, what will become I feel after the MBA. And uh, we did the validation. We talked to many, many stakeholders. And actually, after the MBA, we decided not to search for a job and go uh, try to start a company. And things went, things went well at the start. And... Uh, we started our model, uh, which I'll tell you more about it, but we started getting angel investments. And from that day until today, we are with iFeed. I love it. And to tell us a little bit more about the, the, the idea, about what, what is the motivation behind uh, starting up iFeel, uh, where it is at the moment. So, uh, first of all, uh, For me, it was super important uh, for all of us, actually. It was super important to build a business with much more value than just generating revenues, uh, which we are, and it's an important component, of course, but we wanted some, something a bit deeper with more impact on our society or people's lives at the end of the day. And uh, the three co-founders were very uh, aligned on this vision. Uh, two of us came from consulting, one from operation in big, uh, large corporation. And at the end, uh, we, we felt very strongly uh, that we want to build something with much more impact and value and to feel good about it also. And, and we actually built iFeel, which is uh, the emotional support and therapy platform for organizations and insurance companies and partners. And we are working now with the best companies in the world and getting feedback from them about changing the life of the employees actually drives so much energy into our business because uh, what is better than that at the end while growing uh, revenues impact uh, together. Right. And in, in terms for, for the ones who are listening, and um, we know that everyone wants to learn as much as possible from any guests that we bring into, that we bring into the show, and then, of course, we learn from each other as, as peers. But what is kind of the stage of growth where you are in at, at this moment with iField? So in terms of funding, in terms of headcount, uh, even, you know, typically from Series A, you are between the 1 million to 5 million ARR range, but 
what you are able to share so everyone listening can understand where you are at the moment. Yeah, so first of all, we have most of the head, most of the work ahead of us, of course, but uh, in general, we are growing this year 3x on our core revenue business. Uh, which, uh, thanks a lot. Incredible. <laughs> and we, we, we doubled the team this year and are hiring all the time almost uh, in different areas. And we expanded to uh, more countries. So we now operate in four languages. And actually, we see ourselves as a global company, not a local company. And we work in several, uh, several geos in different languages with partners and with direct customers. And in that way, we believe we are aligned to the future of work and the way uh, large global organizations see uh, solutions today, even if it's an insurance company or an employer with people in different countries, which is now very, very common and growing uh, month over month. So the four languages, English, Spanish, uh, Portuguese, and French. Uh, exactly. And we're Spanish. adding in Q. Yeah, Spanish, so I think English, French, and Portuguese. <laughs> Thank you for repeating. <laughs> exactly. And we are adding in Q1 uh, extra language. And we expect to add at least two to three languages in 2022, uh, aligned to our partners' uh, requests and for new opportunities. So in that way, we see ourselves as uh, doing sales from remote, doing support from remote, having uh, the best network of psychologists in many countries, more than 500 therapists are working for us right now. Uh, and uh, we are very aligned to do uh, remote support and remote uh, prevention and intervention to people all over the world. Uh, one last thing, next year we'll probably go for the Series B. Um, and we are already starting preparations for that because, because of our growth, uh, we, we expect to do it in Q2 2022. It's really exciting. So uh, executing the playbook, right? So being able to free X, that's, that's really uh, amazing. So I, I suspect that um, you have seen the acceleration of the adoption of this kind of uh, solutions or the needs uh, and the problem of these solutions emerging given or accelerating given the, um, the pandemic uh, in, your, in your case. So I know that you kind of saw kind of two waves that I found very interesting and it would be great if, if you could share uh, with our community as well. Yeah, so actually in the past, we were a B2C oriented company. Um, mm -hmm. And actually uh, that segment helped us scale and be very agile in the new markets where we operate. Now we are almost fully B2B. Uh, but the pandemic, uh, it was interesting because at the first uh, quarantine, at least the more hardcore one, Right. Uh, let's say Mar March to May 2020, uh, we actually experienced a lot of adoption of uh, uh, consumer tools, which means people were at home, they wanted to do yoga from home, they wanted to listen to music, watch videos, uh, improve their well-being at home, and they adopted things that they can do or on their TV or on their mobile app by themselves. Uh, going out of pandemic and uh, many of the organizations we are working with actually still didn't know how will work will be 
more office, more remote, blended. Right. Uh, they didn't know how to project their revenues, their growth of the team. Mm -hmm. Now we're seeing that in the last year, a lot of companies are starting to adapt to how to support employees in a much more advanced way. And this is something that, of course, uh, promotes a lot our, our solution inside the organization. And we're seeing the best results in the industry with our uh, corporate clients. Uh, and I can tell you that this is just the beginning uh, because when we talk to many of the prospects, they don't have in place anything close to our platforms yet. They have maybe other solutions, many uh, uh, referral solutions, but actually something that you can enter an impact in the way we do. Uh, most companies non-US don't have, and this is very interesting right now. That's the kind of the new gym, but the value added is even more than, than the gym, right? <laughs> exactly. It's, I, I, we really believe you need to take care of both of them uh, to live a healthy and balanced and life. They are very well connected uh, and uh, one without the other usually doesn't work. Exactly. That's, that's a, a very good point, and it is uh, well proven nowadays that uh, the interaction between the mind and the body and how it influences um, each other. That's great. And um, I've, I'm seeing that you are already playing in different languages, and one of the ingredients that we cover always in the different shows is really the importance of radical focus in order to, to scale. So it's kind of counterintuitive, but uh, in order to scale, sometimes we need to double down on what is working instead of um, opening too many variables. But of course, uh, we also need to explore new variables uh, to find new avenues of growth. So this is quite complex to understand when are we being um, focused or, uh, or maybe uh, too focused and not agile enough and not flexible enough to um, approach new avenues of growth. So how are you able to keep your ICP clear, the organization focused at the same time that you, of course, are um, creating and building avenues for, for the future growth of iFilm? Yeah, so that's a great question. I mean, when I started the company, my uncle, who is a CEO by himself of several companies, he told me, uh, your biggest the decisions will be what not to do and not what to do. <laughs> and uh, I'm learning that, uh, that, that it was a good point, but I can also say that in our area at the end, we help uh, people. And because we started in the consumer world, we're not like companies in our area who started on a B2B focus. We actually already operated in 20 countries with psychotherapists all over the world. So we were kind of much more prepared uh, for that. On the other hand, um, when you connect to global partners like we have, uh, it's just uh, a waste of opportunity uh, to tell them we operate only in country A and not country B, while you're able to uh, uh, reproduce your playbook that worked in one country to the other. And actually, with some of our partners, we are growing very fast because of that. Uh, also, some of we have our ICP in direct sales, uh, but we're able to and identify them in a similar way in different markets. For example, we have scale-ups from different countries, and we fit perfectly into their uh, growth and into their uh, the issues and challenges 
they're facing. So we are a great solution for them. So they, they are kind of cross-cultural kind of organizations. Uh, if you look at the best scale-ups in LATAM, in Europe, in Asia, their culture in terms of organization is not very different, actually. And, and we identified them and other companies, not just tech companies, that fit uh, what we want. And that's how we are growing, actually, without, of course, the risk that you mentioned, which is doing too many things. We're actually doing the same thing right. with our partners and with our direct customers, just in different geos, where we, I think, are in a great position to do operations in, in different countries because of our history and how we grew as a company. So in a, in a certain way, you keep developing the platform and the core competencies and, and the partners are able to adapt that platform to the needs of the local markets. Right? Exactly, exactly. We, we use the core platform, we use our data and we develop that while we know how to localize it to each partner or each customer in the different markets. And today... Today, there are many global companies that operate across uh, 10 countries plus. And right. the last thing they want is to give a solution to one type of employees and not to the other. Uh, and, and I think it's important to support them in different countries. Right. And, and something that you have decided not to go uh, at least yet is, is, of course, the US market. There is also a huge discussion about this topic. Uh, that if we go too early, we might not have the muscle to uh, really compete in the markets and it is a waste of resources and a waste of focus. If we go too late, we might already have a very strong competitor um, in the market and it's very difficult to compete uh, there. At the same time, going through expansion over Europe or over Latin, uh, it's a more fragmented market compared to, to the US. So there are always pros and cons. Our different strategies are, are possible. But um, what are some of your lessons uh, considering the US or not the US and, and following the strategy that you are following today? So the US market is an amazing market. And of course, in our area, it's the most developed one. Uh, as you mentioned, there are several very, very good companies already operating in there. And our, our thoughts will be to go head to head with them uh, or to build our, our, our base in other markets, which are very, very big also. But as you mentioned, uh, they are different in terms of language, culture, and other, uh, other, other things. So uh, actually, from our point of view, we know we will be in the US. Uh, we'll just choose the right timing for us and the right partners. Right. That's really always the, the point. That's the, the when, right? <laughs> uh, that, that's a very important uh, variable to we, consider. Yeah. yeah, we have already partners operating in the US. So when the day will come, uh, we, we know our goal to market there. And the, the, the main thing is, of course, to be capital efficient and get to the highest results uh, every step at the time. And, and, and we believe that when the time will come, we are going to be there. Got it. And maybe to conclude the kind of the radical focus uh, reflection. Um, so we didn't discuss too much industries, but we kind of saw a segment that is working quite well for you, which is kind of the scale-ups. And this is a segment that is global, as you were saying. 
but I, I believe there are other uh, verticals that might be global, like you know, insurance or um, telcos. Uh, I don't know, and especially organizations with with a lot of people. Uh, I'm thinking about outsourcing of engineers, uh, so people that also demand uh, good solutions from their uh, companies. Uh, and work with a lot of, um, I would say, uh, know-how capabilities. So they work a lot. They are very dependent on their brains to deliver work and to produce results for their company. So it's really important for them to be in a very good shape. Of course, it's important for everyone in the world, but if, if someone is not having a good time uh, uh, in terms of brain health, it would be difficult for them if their job is very related to, in, in terms of using their brain to work, right? I think, I, I think, uh, sorry, you want to complete the no, question? I, uh, sorry, it was a very long question with some comments. I was just wrapping up saying that uh, if you see kind of verticals that might work uh, well, better for you, and in a in a global space like the like the scale-ups. Yeah. So the the funny thing was before uh, the pandemic. Well, uh, I think the focus was on benefits that were more material, uh, parties, events, right. uh, things that are important in company life. But uh, how many drinks you have in the the fridge of the company? And <laughs> the, at the end, at the end, of the pandemic put everyone in proportion. And the focus now with talent, I believe, is uh, to support them in the best way to do their job and to be productive and to grow. Growth and purpose is super important now. And these are things you cannot buy with the best party in the world because at the end, statistics show that twenty to thirty percent of uh, Western companies, uh, uh, employees need assistance, mental health support. It doesn't matter which party you are going to, to do. It doesn't matter uh, which trip you're going to do or these things. The material things are important, uh, but it's not, I believe, we are going to be a base solution for everyone competing in talent, not only scale-ups. Everyone that will need to compete for talent, if it's a big finance institution, if it's a consulting institution, all the people who now are fighting for talent will need to have at least a solution such as I feel in their basic uh, employee benefits. That's a very good uh, point. So let, let's introduce the, the second ingredient, kind of the world-class leadership, world-class team or world-class culture, the different uh, components on, on having a great leadership. But one of the issues that I see that, that are very important from, from Series A to Series B or post-Series A, let's say it's really moving from a founding team into a leadership team uh, 1.0. So there are different strategies there and some companies and some teams go into having very seasoned VPs into place. Uh, some, of some of those companies might bet into more junior people and make them grow and give them an opportunity. Uh, and of course, then we have a, a mix of both. Uh, so what, what are some of the lessons learned now building uh, this transition from the founding team into the leadership team after the, the Series A? 
So I think on our, at our stage, we have a very specific strategy, which is we want to bring doers and hungry people, people who want to grow very fast. Uh, and, and for us, this is super important. So I acknowledge that in the bigger companies, late stage, or even the, the big corporates of the world, they are great uh, managers. But uh, we identify that maybe if they'll come right now, not in the future, right now to the company, uh, they would have all. They would look at what's missing and not how to push as for fast forward as we need right <laughs> now. So we are actually we created kind of a program of of bringing head of departments, people with experience in other companies in their area, but that they all have the potential to become uh, department managers or VPs in their area and grow into the role. Uh, and we actually have several of them in the company. And for now, we're seeing great results with this strategy. It doesn't mean that in the future, we won't bring uh, very seasoned managers. Of course, uh, every company that grows needs it. But now we, we chose this strategy between series A and B. And, and we're seeing that hunger and being a doer is the most important thing because you need to solve many problems per day as a manager in a startup. You need to take uh, many decisions and to move fast and not focus on what is not working, but actually be optimistic on what's going to work tomorrow. And, and this kind of mentality is what we're looking. Also, the people, or, um, the people in our company are very specific. So we hire specific people that really fit our culture. Uh, at the end, we have the highest, the higher value, then we have how we do things. And these things are super important for us, more than uh, another line in the CV. Very, very, very good uh, points. And uh, we always see a pain, especially with um, some positions uh, at this stage, kind of the VP cells, uh, even sometimes the VP marketing or the, um, or the VP CS. Uh, translated with the head of CS, the head of marketing, or the um, head of uh, sales, uh, but typically uh, the revenue positions, uh, where then after Series A, the revenue starts to accelerate, and of course the the way those functions were managed before and are managed now um, require different skills, let's say, and uh, and and going from one million to three million, and then into five million. Uh, that's huge growth in a very short period of time to adapt the systems, to adapt the teams into the into the new demands uh, of the of of the of the clients, of course. So that's quite complex in in general. Do you see that uh, that's also your case? That the the revenue leaders are typically the the difficult part in terms of building this uh, this leadership team 1.0. Yeah, well, it's not that they are the biggest part, but uh, there's a lot to organize in their area. In other area, areas, it's easier to reorganize and do things internally in the best way. Uh, of course, here you're client-faced or all prospection, uh, all prospects-faced. And of course, yeah. there, like being much more uh, organized and presenting yourself as a much, uh, as a bigger company as you are, but you, you, you feel like you are still uh, uh, in the early stage uh, every day, but actually you're starting to manage uh, a lot of money and, and, and a lot of growth. So of course, succeeding 
in everything from uh, pre-sale, sale to customer success, uh, the every, including finance, I would add, uh, in terms of invoicing, collection, and all the things that at nice. the end happen manually before you grow a lot. And, and then you need to build a department of doing all these things. Uh, these are the areas who, of course, there's a lot of the focus of, uh, of the company in the last several months. You are right, even not to mention also people uh, that might need to add, in your case, almost uh, 25 people to, to double your headcount and uh, moving forward uh, even more. Uh, it also requires um, some, some uh, capa uh, capacity to adapt to change uh, with, with, with uh, so many uh, new skills that need to be learned. So that's, that's definitely a good yeah. point. I would say that the managers need to focus a lot of their time on hiring well, uh, all of them in all departments where, we're, where we are growing. Uh, and we have a people's department that supports this process. And I would say for now, uh, we're very lucky to have the team we have. I think that's, that's a good point that you subtly uh, mentioned there, which is really, the leaders that are leading the different functions uh, need to be the ones leading the attraction of new talent. And of course, retaining the current talent that is in the company and people needs to be a partner of them in, in, that, in that process and not a provider of, uh, of those leaders. Uh, it, is, it seems a subtle uh, insight, but it's a very meaningful and very important one. That, that's how we do this. I mean, I, I think that maybe in the future it will be more complex to do it, which means that every head of department interviews all the people if we grow a lot uh, as we expect. But I can say that for now, uh, there is no person joining us without at least two interviews, which means that the people's team supports every department, but the departments decide who are the people who join. So you don't feed the departments. They are accountable and they have the, the, the position to choose uh, who will join their team in order to support the growth. So we kind of discussed a radical focus, which is much more related with the direction, uh, the strategy of, of the company uh, in, in the short, mid, long term. We also discussed the importance of uh, really having a strong team and, and culture, uh, different ways of creating or building, uh, transforming this founding team into a leadership team 1.0. And, and now we also need to adapt the execution machine uh, from one stage to other stage, kind of the operating um, rhythm. Uh, we agreed that we will not discuss the, um, some of the stuff that we've been discussing uh, in other episodes, kind of the weekly is the is the annuals, the all ends, the importance of you can also share that you have been doing quite well, which is really building operations in, in different countries. Uh, and languages, and at the same time, what, what are some of the insights and, and lessons that you'd like to, to share on, on this point? Uh, I mean, on, on building operations? Yes. Okay, so um, first of all, we're lucky we have Martin, one of our co-founders, building operations worldwide, and he manages this. So for us, it's a super important and key topic. Uh, 
We have right now, uh, part of the team are in Brazil, in Mexico, in Colombia, in Spain, in France, and other countries. So uh, I would say we work in a very diverse, growing, uh, cross-culture oriented kind of organization, uh, mm -hmm. which I think fits 2022 that is coming uh, towards us. And um, I would say at the start, you do everything like manual. That's, you, you start by just doing. Uh, that's what we do. Uh, as I said, I have many people advising me along the way, and they always say, put it on an Excel sheet, start doing, and then fix it, and then do it. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's our, our, our strategy, actually. We, we start by doing, uh, and that's always because things will never be perfect, and actually you learn that. Uh, and so it's better just, uh, we, we launch some countries in less than four weeks, uh, like all Amazing. operations so um uh, we try to create the playbook uh, over time you start with more documentation and and becoming like much more process oriented and exactly the things you mentioned like the monthly meetings the weekly meetings with the departments uh we actually had another uh, kind of interesting challenge which is uh, are we working uh, in the office are we working in a blended area there are different teams that suit different styles of work uh, to attract talent in the future and to make, at the end, uh, our employees happy uh, in working in the company, which is something that we offer to other companies. We have to at least do it as we expect other companies to do it when they hire us. So, um, And over time, you build the, the processes that you need without becoming a, a meeting machine company. Uh, that is not the goal. So uh, productivity uh, is super important. We were pre-pandemic remote first from how we operate, which means everything is in the apps of the company. Everything happens internal, in communication, anyway online. So even when we are in the office, uh, everything is documented and is done as if we are remote. And in that way, no matter what happens, we are kind of more resilient uh, to the situations that are changing and can work. We can all work from home. We can all come to the office. And, and, and that's what we built in the last uh, years, a kind of organization that is able to scale much faster, be more flexible than some companies in our area, which are very local oriented uh, due to regulation, due to uh, the style of work, uh, the countries are very different from each other. Spain is different from France, UK, Germany. They're very different in terms of culture, of course, language and other things. Uh, and, and, and we try to build a more uh, global company from day one. Absolutely. That, that's really great. And I, I know that you also have some uh, interesting insights in a, in a topic that usually it's very different, uh, very difficult to crack, uh, is, which is the, um, the partnerships. Um, we have discussed it a bit on, on that um, in the beginning of the podcast. Uh, is there something that you'd like to add some of the lessons learned about building partnerships? Yeah, so uh, partnerships is something that, that I feel we scaled well. Uh, they require a different kind of approach, different kind of project management. And at the end, you don't depend on yourself. 
So a, a great partnership is the, the win-win situation. If not, even if it's correct today, it won't work in six months. Uh, we were lucky to find amazing partners uh, to work with. And yes, you need the component of luck because you don't know how the future will work. And I would say it's very, very convenient to work with us. So we are super flexible in the business side and in the technology side, which is very important in partnerships today. <laughs> Our product is more advanced, I think, uh, than others to integrate through an API, through all the necessities, through documentations, data flows, uh, to connect with partners. And I think when they come to work with us, while they evaluate different companies, uh, it's clear that we are already ready to scale partnerships and one of our goals is not to limit them. So our technology plus our operations on the ground allows our partners to grow because at the end, when they come to partner with us, they want to succeed. They don't want to launch something, invest in integration and in marketing and in sales and in so many things that at the end don't scale. So one of their goals is to show them how they can vision a success in six to 10 months. And then how we continue to grow together. That is very important. It's not a one-day kind of uh, uh, partnership. It's usually for years. And we're lucky to have our partners for years with us and looking forward and only scaling as much as we can. It's, it's something that I would say startups need to be very careful with because they are two dangerous places. If it works very well, it's something you never, you never think about. Right, you always think about oh, about the time to launch and the cost of integration and so many things. But actually, if it works really well, you're also sometimes, especially in a business like ours, in kind of a stress also because you need to grow in the pace exactly. of the growth of the partnership. And and we at the end of the day, we are a technology company, but we're also a people-oriented service, and and we have a lot of amazing therapists all over the world. Uh, also working with our clients on the platform. So I would say it's never the middle road. It can work amazingly or it can take much more time than you expect. In both cases, a startup needs to evaluate the risk and what he needs in order to make it work. That's a good point. And that's why really leading a startup or a scale-up is quite special and it requires a lot of emotional resilience because as you say, we, there is always something to, more to learn and, and there is also the pain of success. So we, we never are in a comfortable place. It's, it's, never, it's never just a walk in the park. Exactly. I would not say it better. Thank you, Amir. Um, I would have much more to ask, but is there something uh, before going into my last question and to wrap up the show that you'd like to mention be before uh, we wrap up? Uh, no, I mean, the, the last thing is, honestly, as I mentioned before, I think we need to be a basic kind of uh, support that uh, companies that care about talent need to give to all their employees. Uh, we have success cases with the best companies in the world, and we're looking forward to work with many more companies. And uh, we are here to give any information needed uh, related to that, of course, and we hope that if it's IFIL or other companies, that all employers recognize 
the importance of supporting their team members while requesting them to perform all the time in the best way. Well, it's completely supported. And if you would have the opportunity to meet your younger uh, Amir at the beginning of this journey with Ifil and have a coffee with him, uh, what advice would you offer to your younger self? So uh, to my younger self, I would say that uh, in terms of people, trust your inner feeling uh, because it works for us. It works. Yes, you need a lot of luck. Uh, but we, I, I can say that we built the correct team in terms of that. Uh, if I needed to give to my more younger self uh, before <laughs> I feel uh, um, like a small tip, I would say, or to any young person listening to us, I would say go as, fa as fast as you can after university to startups, scale-ups, or technology companies, even if they're very, very advanced and late stage or big corporates already, mm -hmm. uh, because I believe that the personal growth, uh, just because of the speed that things are changing, is a place to be in today. So even when I talk to university students uh, through my past as, an, uh, as a student, as, as through alumni networks and others, and in, uh, when I enter classes, I tell them, Honestly, the scale-ups, the challenges of the banks, of the insurance companies, this is a place to be because I see my team, and of course, it happens in all the companies right now, I see them just growing as professionals so fast. Right. And at the age of 25, they need to talk to the executives of the, our clients uh, and, and to pitch even and to do so many things that uh, I think it's the place to be in uh, today. Uh, go to the to the tech companies and learn as fast as you can because that's the fastest way to advance in the career today. Definitely a huge opportunity. Amir, thank you so much for joining us today. Congratulations for your journey so far and, and thanks for making the time to, to be with us today. Thanks a lot, Mike. It was a pleasure and uh, I hope to see you in future episodes. Absolutely. So uh, thanks for, for joining us uh, again. We keep here bringing you the best of the best to make your journey a little bit easier, uh, scaling your company from 1 million to 1 trillion. See you soon and keep scaling.